Hi, welcome to Game Dev London. I'm Chris Payne, and uh, with me is our guest, who is a new host addition to the host roster here at Game Dev London. Uh, it is Niall Crabtree. Hello. Welcome to oops. Welcome to Game Dev London, Niall. Thank you for having me. Um, Niall's uh, got an interesting um, uh, CV because uh, you are both like a digital and board game designer, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Um... I started out in board games probably about three, four years years ago now with my first game, uh, Blockers, which I actually made whilst at university. It was a... Um, in my first year of university, we had a module um, called Concept Development 1, which was kind of like the introduction to being a game designer and like the most pure way to uh, sort of work in design, I think, anyway, is with board games because every variable is exposed to the player um, every piece, of, every mechanic, like the player has to read through. Um, it's just like a very pure way to develop like a first design. And from that, I created my first game, Blockers. Now, I know, as uh, I said, there is a visual um, element to showing a game, and some people only listen to the uh, podcast. But um, if you're not if you're not watching, I've just shown the box for Blockers. Um, and so, after that module was finished, my teacher went to me. You know, like you could actually probably put this up on Kickstarter. And then that's like sort of offhanded comment because he later told me that he had a bet on with the other tutors that I wasn't actually going to go through with it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so after that offhanded comment was said, I was like, you know what, I'll actually look into this. And then four years later, I've got three published board games and I'm currently working on a fourth at the moment. Fantastic. So let's let's uh, dig in a little bit to those uh, board games. So uh, Blockers, to begin with, um, is uh, a, a block stacking um, game, yes? Uh, from hey. from the, looking at the box? Yeah, exactly. So um, part of the module was to, um, because we had to do like a lot of playtesting and iteration, uh, part of the module was like, you have to make a game which only plays a maximum of 20 minutes. So it has to be really quick. Um, and that includes learning the game as well. So I was like, okay, what can I do to make a game uh, that's super quick to learn? And one ways, one of the ways to do that was like be able to demo it very visually and people to just sort of understand it. Because um, a round in blockers takes about a minute to play, but it also takes about 10, 15 seconds to tell someone how to play it. Now, if you compare that to a game like, I don't know, like Gloomhaven, if you ever heard of a board, uh, that board yeah. game, where it takes like an hour to learn and then like an hour to set up and then an hour to play just like one round you know yeah um so that was sort of the aim with that one and uh yeah it's uh, unsurprisingly it's very very good uh with kids uh whenever i take it to conventions like uk games expo play expo tabletop scotland stuff like that um kids love it but also adults love it as well because it's uh because it's a dexterity game so you have to like stat blocks up it's a perfect drinking game because if you'll say, for example, if the rule is every time you knock it over, you have to take a drink, then you are going to perpetually get worse at stacking them, which makes you drink more. And that's like the point of a drinking game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was my first game. Fantastic. Uh, so. Uh, so that's uh, I mean, just to, to roughly summarize the the uh, role, the. Uh, rules of that game um if it, if it only takes uh 10 15 seconds to explain can yeah. you can you do it without visuals um yes so um at the start of your turn you flip over a card from the deck of cards and you see what's on the card which will be a structure um and what you do is you take the blocks which are on the table as well and you build that structure as you see it on the card 
Now the blocks okay. are different colors and that you have to make sure the orientation matches and you got to build it up right. Each structure is worth a different number of points depending on how difficult it is and you got to try and build as many structures as possible uh, within one minute. That is indeed very straightforward. Yeah. In concept. <laughs> perhaps yeah. not in perhaps not in execution especially after a few drinks, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Fantastic. So so what was your next one? So you, you having um completed that um did you uh you immediately went on to a, another board game or um yes yeah, so i started developing um my next board game which is uh food time battle in space again i'll just briefly show the box it's a much smaller box i'll, I'll describe that to the people listening than blockers and that is actually very relevant to the next point yeah um, but yeah so i started developing that straight after uh, based off all the uh sort of learning which uh, I had undergone with the process of blockers because with blockers, it's an incredibly big box. It's incredibly heavy. Um, it's got, I thought, oh, I'm going to be a great designer. I'm going to put in 300 cards when the game only really needs like 60. I'm going to offer like two different modes um, and I'm going to manufacture it in China and get like a bunch of units shipped over. And just all of those were like huge mistakes for my first game. So um, just because it ended up costing loads of money, the quality course, had, had yeah. to suffer. Um, because of that, um, like the components aren't as great as I wanted them to be. Like, uh, I love cards which have like linen finish on them and stuff like that, oh, but yeah. that had to be uh, scrapped. So, with Food Time Balance Space, it's literally uh, a tiny box with a hundred cards um, and a couple of punch board tokens. Um, and it's a game which has like significantly more depth than blockers, and you can play it, uh, you can uh, play it on repeat for much longer. And it's uh, it, it's essentially, I try to be as Kind of efficient as possible with components it was kind of like a turning point where i started thinking about board games less so as like a either like a design challenge or like just like a game in general and more so as a product which is very very important when it comes to like well anything physical but like a board game as well yeah no that that makes sense so um i'm going to assume that given that it's a it, predominantly a card game um that has allowed you to um go with a similarly um simplistic core game loop and then use the cards to introduce variations of, of rules and and stuff like that um would that be right or... yeah exactly so the game is, yeah. a, is a is a push your luck game um so it does have a lot of basically it has like loads and loads of random elements but the entire part of the card play element is to control that randomness as much as possible and give yourself the best odds of succeeding so the theme of the game is that you are on? You move to the moon in an alternate reality 1950s because loads of people are moving to the moon um, <laughs> and they have nothing to eat. So you're a restaurateur and you're like, right, I'm going to go set up a restaurant on the moon and try and be the first restaurant to get a five-star rating on the moon. Um, and so um, every turn you pick a, a, a critic um, who has like a certain number of ingredients they want in their order um, and then you uh, draw three ingredient cards at a time um, uh, which all have a little number on in the top left, and you have to place them down in ascending numerical order. So say if I draw like a three, seven, and a nine, um, like the ingredients, like the art on the cards are purely like aesthetic. It's literally you're just picking up numbers. And then yeah. you have to put them down in your cooking station. So you put that three, seven, nine down in the cooking station and say that critic needed four ingredients to complete that order. When you pick up your next three cards, you are banking on getting a card which is higher than nine. Because if all right. three of those cards are lower than nine, then you cannot okay. you can't complete the order. Um, and so when you complete critic cards, you then gain their critic ability 
which are cards, which are abilities like draw an additional card, return a card from the cooking station back to your hand, that sort of thing, which allows you to control that sort of randomness. Okay. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So did that start out as um, a, an abstract mechanic that you that you came up with first, and then you you, you came up with a um, uh, the kind of um, uh, uh, context yeah. uh, for it, um, or, or was it a um, a fun context and, and the mechanic was invented to fit? You know what? This is it is my first and only game because I'm not an artist at all and I'm not artistically inclined, where the context and the theme came first. And that's because it was another game which was sort of birthed from uh, university. Um, mm -hmm. So um, the course which I was on, like a, I was on a, a game design course, but it's very poorly named because it's actually predominantly an art course. So I, in my second year, I had to pick a module called visual design. And thankfully, it was a module where I could basically do whatever I wanted just so I showed understanding of visual design. So I decided to create another board game um, and I really liked sort of the uh, retro 1950s sort of aesthetic and I also really like sci-fi. So I tried to sort of merge them two together and I'm not an artist. So basically almost none of the work which I ended up doing in that module is um, artistically represented in the game. I ended up getting, a, getting an artist to sort of take what I've done and make it better. Yeah. Um, but it did start first thematically, which like none of my games have ever done so it's quite interesting <laughs> that way that, that is cool so is, that's designed to be um uh presumably still still fairly speedy um turns because it sounds like it's card game and also because if it's if it's randomness then sort of like that that um it doesn't lend itself to sort of like uh long-term strategic plays yeah it yeah. is yeah every turn is completely in its own bubble you're not thinking about turns yeah. ahead really um and yeah it takes about 30 minutes to play and each turn takes about um a minute really and the the aim of the game well it's, it's, it's like a race to five stars as well so there is that sort of inherent like pace towards it even though you're taking turns individually you feel like you have to move fast because as soon as someone gets five stars the game's completely over it stops yeah. dead in its tracks um so yeah it's quite a fast-paced game yeah, it's fun to have those, um, um, e even just like uh, the, the race mechanic between sort of like the players can like change the the play like the substantially yeah. between like the, the, the opening game and the end game. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. So what about your, um, your third uh, published game then? Um, so um, this is uh, Langskip. Um, it is a box of similar size because I realized it's much less of a headache to make a game which is smaller. Um, but yeah. it's actually deceptively small because in the box is actually um, a board which folds out into like three times the length of this box. So say like I'm trying okay. to describe it to audio listeners. I'd say this box is probably about 10 centimeters long. The board itself is actually 30 centimeters long and it folds out. So it actually right. does have a presence on the table. Um, and this game is by far my most successful game with players, with retailers, um, because of the mixture of like the great artwork coupled with the, the gameplay as well. Because um, I don't know if you would have heard of it, uh, but I'm sure like some listeners who are into board games would have heard of a board game called Coup, uh, which is a, mm -hmm. um, a very like quick bluffing game. And uh, a lot of reviewers uh, have said, like, it's good that it's not just coming from me. A lot of reviewers have said this is just a better coup. And coup is one of the most successful board games of all time. Wow. Um, and that was sort of the the aim which I wanted to 
go for with Langskip. Uh, it was mm-hmm. uh, like because Langskip is a, is a bluffing game as well. Um, right. I, I I really really like coup, but I hated the player elimination side of things because with coup, um, the whole point is that you lie about cards which you which you play. Like you say that you yeah. play a certain card when you could be lying about it. But the problem is the stakes are so high with every lie because as soon as you someone calls you out and you turns out you're lying, you're kicked out of the game. Um, that people just like really don't lie. Um, or, or, unlike there's there's this exact same consequence for calling someone out on lying as well. So people just end oh, up right. telling the truth and not. Call, there's no really that interaction. Whilst I mean, even if there is, then people are still kicked out of the game and they have to watch other people have fun. So what yeah. I decided to do is I decided to create sort of the Mario Kart bluffing games where no one gets eliminated. Anybody can win at any moment. And I think that's resonated quite a lot with players because Coup has been Coup came out in 2011. 11, it's kind of been unrivaled in that um, small card game, bluffing game uh, sort of space. So mm-hmm. I wanted to create, to create to create landscape to sort of like offer that. If you don't like player elimination, then this game is just a better version of Coup. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a game which plays in about 30 minutes. It's 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 the First game which I've made where I could get it out now and I, I could have fun with it, considering I designed it. Like, yeah. that's not, that, that's quite rare for me anyway. Like, for example, if I played through Time Bound in Space, like, I'd, I'd probably win, but because I know all the mechanics, <laughs> but I wouldn't have too much fun with it. But with Langskip, it's a, it's a great laugh every time. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's probably the design which I'm most proud of because it's, it's so like tight and there's no nonsense. It's literally 18 cards. Um, but yeah, that, that's by far my most successful game. And I've sort of, taken everything from landscape which i've learned and i've as not only taken that into my next board game which i'm working on the moment but i've taken that into the video games which i make as well that's interesting so you mentioned mario kart um i'm just wondering does um does landscape have like um a kind of rubber banding mechanic uh that that kind of uh keeps the keeps the winners from getting too far ahead of the losers during uh during play yeah that, that can kind of happen uh naturally as people tend to gang up on the winner to stop them winning um but you is there anything built baked into the um yeah into the design so just to uh, before i go into that to quickly describe the game a bit more so you play basically you're, you're on a board which has spaces one to twenty on it and it's a, mm-hmm. it's a thin long board um, and so you move up spaces um, by playing cards, and every card allows you to move up spaces. Um, and so, um, say for example, like there is, well, there's a lot of cards. For example, um, uh, it's a, a Viking themed game, so all the cards are Norse gods. So, for example, Freya, um, depending on how many spaces are between, like how many players are ahead of her, she gets to move more. So it's like the card says, move one space. If it, um, for every player that's ahead of you, move one more. So if you're at the back. Then you could move like three forward if there's like three or two players in front of you, for example. Um, Yarmanganda is probably the crate, it's kind of like the blue shell slash uh, bullet bill of this game because it's a, it's a card which says uh, swap positions with the player closest to you, which on its own could be bad because the closest player to you could be someone behind you as well. Like that's in the rules. Um, but if you have a mischief token, which are tokens which you gain if you lie successfully or call someone out online successfully, then you can swap positions with any player on the board. And there are some players which might be on space three when another player is on space 19 out of 20 and they can swap positions. And like that isn't that isn't a mechanic for everyone. Like if someone's like very strategic and very serious, then that is not a mechanic you need to make sure 
that you're playing with like sort of the right people and the right tone set. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of take that mechanics as well, like you mentioned, where you can sort of gang up on a specific person. Like there's uh, mechanics where you can force a player to discard their hand if you know they've got a good hand. There's mechanics where you can steal their mischief tokens, which make them less powerful because a lot of cards rely on mischief tokens to actually make them powerful. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is a game which is unabashedly like fun and it's not afraid to make people annoyed. Um, but but, but that, that's something which I decided from early on, though. Yeah, yeah, that, that can getting annoyed at the other players is uh can make 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 things uh enormously uh fun, uh, especially if if there's a lot of like twists and turns. It's nice, it's nice to have um, um, players like, like bobbing around the leaderboard so that um, it's yeah, and the, 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 lot... the, yeah, the thing is as well is that like. <clears throat> it's not like it's actually slightly more forgiving than Mario Kart because, like with Mario Kart, if you get like knocked to the back, then that could just be kind of you just trailing around for the rest of the game. Uh, but with Langskip, the because as well, like um, unlike Coup and unlike uh, games like Love Letter as well, the deck gets reshuffled um, multiple times per game, so that if even if like there's only two Yarmungandas and they've both been used. Um, once that deck gets reshuffled, those odds of you getting a Yarmungander again like increase. So yeah. there is al always that chance until someone hits that twenty space that you could come back and win, even if you've already been knocked down. Um, so yeah, uh, it is a bit more forgiving in that way. <laughs> that, that looks great. Um, I'll keep an eye out for that one. So those, um, so those three have all um, uh, are all released. Um, what are you working on now? Um, so at the moment, I am working on a game called uh, Fatal Knockout. Now, this game is a tiny bit more visual. I feel like for people who are watching the podcast, I should just sort of show it off anyway, but I will try and describe it as best as possible. Now, my my past two games have been incredibly tiny, like very small games. You could even fit food time, battle and space in your pocket if it was a bit, if it was deep enough. Um, this game, however, is bigger than my head. This is a, a huge, humongous <laughs> box. That is a huge box. And the reason why is because the co the contents would actually only fit in about half of it. Now, the other half is for expansions down the line. But the main reason for it is actually a gimmick, which I will demonstrate and try to explain as well. Um, but it is the actual box itself turns into an arcade cabinet. So the, the, the game is a... Uh, a fighting game, which yeah. is quite, uh, which is sort of like inspired by games like Street Fighter and Tekken. Sort of like if you were uh, going to the arcades in like the nineties, you'd like roll up and be able to like play one of these games. Um, and I wanted to make it so that the actual box itself mm -hmm. was a um, was an arcade cabinet. Um, and so yeah, that, that's what it is. It's a it's a fighting game. You the actual gameplay itself isn't too complicated to get into. But uh, the game is very, it has a lot of depth. Like, it's a game which is, like, incredibly difficult to master, um, but it's, like, kind of easy to get into, which is quite kind of the sweet spot that you want for a game which, uh, like, could warrant, like, expansions down the line because you want people to continuously keep playing and try and get better. The game, this is my first game where I'm actually trying to make a strategic game which will be worthy and work in a tournament setting as well. Like, I would love to be oh. able to go down to a, a board game uh, cafe or whatever and be able to, like, actually run a tournament. Because, um, like in a fighting game, you can pick and specialize um, di uh, as different fighters. 
So the base game is going to come with six fighters, and they all fit into like standardized uh, fighting game archetypes, like Azona. So like they're focused on staying away um, and doing damage from a distance. You got a grappler who wants to close the gap and grab you. Um, they have a rushdown, which is really good at like running around the 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 stage, um, right. but doesn't have like that great damage. And so, even though this box is like huge, it will actually come with um, a baggy um, and a uh, smaller version of the board. So you can actually kind of like landscaping how it like fits in that small box and like folds up. Um, yeah. There will be a smaller version of the board which can fold up you can stick it in the baggie as well as the deck of cards and the cardboard standees as well oh so you uh, can travel with it yeah exactly that that's because that that's the thing like it's a great gimmick but yeah. it sort of contradicts my mission of wanting to make it into a tournament game so yes I'm, I, i've managed to be able to find a way where it can kind of cater to both like um if i was to buy this game i would love to have it like on display sort of all the time as it's yeah. set up um, but like if I was taking this to a tournament or just taking this around to a friend's house, I would rather just like take my board and take a deck uh, for me and maybe a deck for the friends um, and then right. just go with that. You know, that that would be much easier. Um, but yeah, the plan is with six fighters and then like a, there's also a planned expansion with like four additional fighters as well to sort of give it like a really deep roster. Yeah, that's really nice. Cool. So, um, and so, what's the what's the status of that? Because uh, I mean, it, obviously, it's physically produced. Um, uh, so, are you? Um, you've presumably been through the like process of, of like fine tuning the uh, the rules and everything. Um, what what stage is it at? Well, actually, what I did with this one is I thought that it was very important because of the gimmick to get a early prototype made. So this um, is a, uh, there's only actually two of these which exist. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I made two prototypes to be able to take to conventions. Uh, one to, as like a display piece and another one as like, you can sit down and like actually play this game as it is now. Um, yeah. Even since this was made probably about uh, two months ago now, maybe like a month and a half ago, the rules have actually changed like quite drastically. So um, you can actually sit down and play like an old version of this game, but there will be uh, new physical prototypes made. I think the schedule for that is like August, September at the moment. Um, but yeah, with this game, this is a game which is going to be... Like, if you looked on the Kickstarter for Langskip or Food Time, Balance, Space, or Blockers, you'll see that they were successful, they did fund, but they weren't at sort of the level that you'd see like a sort of like an average uh, successful Kickstarter to be of like a, you know, like 500 to 1,000 backers. With yeah. Fatal Knockout, the aim is to get there and pass that level. So right. I'm working with a company called ShipQuest, um, who are very well respected in the industry. Um, they're going to be doing uh, marketing and they're going to be distributing the game. So, like, people, like, what's important is that, like, I want this, like, package to be um, sort of, like, as convincing and reliable as possible. And if you get a game delivered from ShipQuest, you know it's going to be in great condition. Um, I'm working with a bunch of marketing teams um, and I'm really sort of taking my time with this one. The release date um which is very much on paper which is like half crumpled up and with very fine pencil and like <laughs> right next to it um is about march um but that could change like a, a kind of any moment but the aim is for march uh, 2023 um with that so yeah um but yeah that's fail knockout fantastic um and of course Alongside all of this, um, you've you've got all of your um, digital uh, projects that um, um, you've been working on. Um, so, 
not it, not just board games, but uh, I'm working. Is it a VR project you're working on at the moment? Um, yes. Yeah, so I can't really talk about it. Oh, okay. Too much at all. What I can say is that I'm uh, currently like because I, what I want to do is like coming on as a host uh, for this podcast. I do want to talk about um, being in industry. Um, because I'm like in a very privileged position. I, uh, whilst I was at university, I actually got hired by a company called Sigtrap to work on a VR title. Mm-hmm. That's literally all I can say about that project because that's okay. all public knowledge. Um, but what I would love to do is uh, talk about like sort of the process of getting hired, um, the going like trying to build up your portfolio as much as possible. Like I'm constantly on LinkedIn if people want to add me on there, um, talking to people about their portfolios and giving sort of feedback on there. Uh, because what I did um, at university is something which a lot of people sort of don't think to do. Like what, what a lot of people do um, who are trying to get into jobs similar to me is that they say, okay, once university is finished, that's when I'll start trying to like make my portfolio and like try and push to get a job. Whilst what I did from first year, because we were told on our course that only probably about 10% of you are going to make it into industry. Like it's that competitive. Yeah. From first year, I decided, you know, I'm going to build up my portfolio as much as possible. And that's why the board games exist. Um, but right. yeah, so, yeah, so I'm working at Sigtrap at the moment. Um, but I also um, work on uh, digital games sort of all the time on the side. Uh, like as part of my final year project, I worked on a game called Lethal Deal, which funnily enough does include cards, but it is a <laughs> first person shooter deck yeah. game. Um, so what it is, it's like, oh, the way I sort of describe it is it's Doom meets Slade Aspire. So it's like fast-paced FPS gameplay in an arena-style uh, level. Um, but it also involves card play as well. And how that works mm-hmm. is that you, um, whenever you have to reload, you actually draw cards. And each card gives you an amount of ammo, but each card also, also affects your gun in different ways. So, for example, there could be a card which is just playing that says plus four damage. But there could be another card which says for each consecutive bullet you hit, you get 1.05 times damage, which can lead to some insane builds. And I think I've seen some with like a billion DPS before, because if people can chain it so that they constantly build up DPS um, and they keep getting ammo drops from like enemies and stuff like that, then you can just sort of keep going, which is like part of the fun of it. Um, but yeah, that game was, like took three months to make. Um, and we submitted it for a bunch of awards. I don't know if you're aware of like Game Republic or anything like that. Uh, but it won mm-hmm. uh, best art and animation. Uh, well, it won second place for best art and animation, second place for best team, first place for best audio. Um, we submitted it to the rookies as well, and it won an excellence award at rookies. And it's currently uh, a finalist, so it's a top twenty-five uh, projects uh, for game of the year at the rookies. Which is, mm-hmm. uh, if uh, viewers are not aware of what the rookies is, it's a competition uh, where basically anybody in the entire world can submit a project. Um, as long as they have one year or less experience in the video game industry. Uh, so we're competing with a lot of like sort of the best people at the sort of a similar level to us. Yeah. Um, and we're currently a finalist in there as well. Uh, but yeah, that was a game which only took three months to make. And uh, yeah, we're really, really proud of it. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, and that's um, free to free to play on Itch.io. Um, yeah. Correct. Go, yeah. 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 You can uh, go to itch.io, uh, search lethal deal or you can go to my website um and if you go to the projects page there is a button right there just to download it and there are a couple of obviously there are a couple of bugs and stuff like that but overall you can play it from beginning to end there's a really cool boss fight um and it, it looks very nice as well 
I'm definitely going to have a have a look at that because uh, that sounds really interesting. Uh, I, I like the idea. Uh, I love the uh, the the process of uh, creating bills to try to um, uh, min max your way through um, uh, through a game. It's, it's it can be really satisfying. Yeah, we try. What I, what I try to do is um, I try to be sort of um, I wanted to challenge myself a lot because I was the sole designer on the project, so we had um, two programmers. Uh, three artists and me um and so what i wanted to do is i wanted to um create something which the elevator pitch would be memorable you know like, yeah. like for example the game republic like uh if i ever had to pitch the game to them i'd say like do meet slate aspire and immediately get raised eyebrows like that's something which i wanted to try and do and i also wanted to try and execute that as well um now there is obviously question marks of like is it at the best place that it could be to say that you've executed that but also only three months of development time and we're all students as well. Um, but yeah, very happy with like at least attempting to do something which I don't think I've seen before. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously I've not um, played it yet, but I think that that's um, it's a really good con. I often see like student projects that are um, over ambitious, and uh, because it's quite hard to because so many games, certainly like AAA games, are um so sort of like sprawling and content packed nowadays it's quite hard to visualize something that is kind of like slimmed down and minimalist mm. um uh so but that the high concept uh is uh you know crystal clear and uh i, I can immediately imagine that being uh being really fun no. uh, and but it, it it doesn't require um overly complicated implementation to make that work so yeah no no all like literally within uh the first five days of development we had a playable build that we could test like yeah. that's not what we wanted to do we wanted, it was a very it was something which I'd, I'd like to talk in the podcast uh with uh someone at some point definitely is the importance of tight iteration cycles like yeah. it's getting more and more prevalent in the industry i mean like obviously like uh, 15, 20 years ago, waterfall, waterfall, sorry, was like the way to go. Like you'd make a decision, and then that would be it until the end of development, no iteration <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, what we wanted, to, like we we had play testing sessions every single weekend uh, to get feedback, and uh, yeah, that was important from the get go. Like I wanted to be innovative and ambitious, but at the same time, I want, I like, I was saying to the programmers, like, stop me and say shut up as soon as I say something, which is. <laughs> which they can't do in a couple of days, you yeah. know. Yeah, that that's uh, that's excellent, um, brilliant. So, um, in that case, I think we'll 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 probably wrap up there. Um, where can people go to find out a bit more about you? Um, so, if you go to nowcrabtree.com, you I have pretty much everything which I, which I've worked on there. Um, I'm also on Twitter at, at Studios Crab because for some reason someone took Crab Studios from me, which is the company which I, uh, which is sort of like the face of my board games. Um, mm -hmm. Am I anywhere? Oh, I'm on YouTube actually. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. If you just search <laughs> now Crabtree on YouTube, a bunch of my videos come up as well as my YouTube channel. On there, I post probably like every two weeks um, about um, like different topics, either like it's a game like everything's related heavily to game design. Because when I when I was at university and I used to go on YouTube, if I typed even even if I typed in game design, it would only be programming or art that would come up. No one apart from like obviously Mark Brown and Adam Millard, um, 
no one really talks about game design, especially with relating to industry. So I'm making content specifically for game designers. Uh, but also, I, I recently, uh, my most recent video was about the, the like I just mentioned, Matt Brown, then, uh, the Game Makers Toolkit Game Jam, which um, myself and the same team that made Lethal Deal took part in uh, this weekend, which is a, a good watch because you get to see the game from beginning to end, and you get to see us all lose our minds because it's a 48-hour game jam. And again, we tried something incredibly ambitious. So, yeah, go see that our last ends then. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Niall. And um, I look forward to um, hearing you um, talking about design on the podcast. Yep. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, please pop along to gamedev.london, uh, where you can find links to uh, more of our podcasts and to our Discord community, where you can come and chat about game design or any other aspect of uh, video game development or indeed board game development. Um, until then, uh, see you next week.